50 seconds past? Yes. 50 seconds past sounds great, I say. That's nigh. Clapping. Clapping. You hear me clicking down my uh, address bar to go. <laughs> to find it quickly. It did make me feel like a gunslinger to have to click record at 49 and clap at 50, I will say. Oh my god. <laughs> mm. <laughs> the like a gunslinger, record. eh? Very relevant to the fucking episode. Very relevant to the podcast. <laughs> critical, critical, critical role. We've got critical takes about critical role. Welcome to critical, critical role. The Most Wanted Podcast. Hello, listeners. Hi, and welcome to the Most Wanted Podcast of all time, which is Critical Critical Role, the podcast where we re-watch and critique the world's most popular actual play. All right, guys. Time for a Critical Critical Role roll call. From the top? From the top. I guess it's me. I'm Ray, and I have never seen Critical Role until uh, yesterday. My name is Riley Hopkins. My pronouns are he and they, and I have been clean off Critical Role for four years. Uh, well, until last night, in which case I've dipped back into the sauce again. And hi, my name is Colin. I use they, them pronouns, and uh, I have never... Uh, I've tried to watch Critical Role once before this, and that was five years ago, six years ago, seven years ago. I can't even remember. And now I have actually done it. Mm. Congratulations. Congratulations. Hi, I am your, I guess, critter host, Sarah, and I started watching this show in 2016, and we've had a toxic relationship ever since. Let's fucking go. That sounds beautiful. Let's go. Oh, I can't you know, quit You know it. that Hinder song, Lips of an Angel, that's Sarah singing about Critical Role. Wow, it yeah, was about that yeah. the whole time. The whole time. Um, shall we yeah. go through our histories with Critical Role, speaking of... Maybe Sarah first go into like your relationship with it. Yeah, um, I definitely like. I started watching it at some point during late mid campaign one. Mm. I actually think, and this is an even more problematic thing that I've done. I started watching it because Patrick Rothfuss went on an episode, and wow. at the time, I was like, I like Patrick Rothfuss. He's <laughs> a great beautiful. and cool person. I'm going to watch this. Mm-hmm. So I watched that and didn't really know what was going on and. <laughs> kept kept watching it um critical role has a very special place for me because it is like the thing that i watch whenever i am sewing or knitting because like Mm. i'm a sewer like and that takes up hours and hours and hours of my life and so to fill those hours i need hours of content and that is what critical Mm. role provides and has always provided for me Mm -hmm. i think i'm the second most critter here but i think the secret is I was I started earlier. I um I had gotten a job and I was uh, looking for mass content to consume. And by that point I had only really listened to uh some one shot and then nerd poker with Brian Posehn, the comedian. Mm-hmm. Uh and I somehow found my way left into critical role. Uh I started at from the beginning and I think Damn. that they were they were 40 episodes in when I started and I caught up and then I followed them throughout the end of the first season, I believe. Mm. Uh, <laughs> God, I remember watching the final episode of season one of Critical Role live at, yes, four o'clock in the morning because it airs Ooh. at 7 p.m. Mm-hmm. California time. I watched that shit live and they like defeated the final big bad of all of campaign one, like as the sun was rising over Edinburgh and like 
genuinely oh, that felt beautiful. so fucking good. That was like actually beautiful. I I <laughs> fucking I would watch this live with my wife in our studio apartment Damn. from you know ten to two a.m. <laughs> like, wow, that's so it, loving. We when we turned this back on, she's like, I remember watching this <laughs> live <laughs> i watched this episode live with her and yeah. i have so many notes yeah uh what about you guys how did you like avoid it or miss it yeah colin is someone who has a little bit more experience than me why don't you go first so um i'm i'm really into role-playing games i'm also really into actual plays uh it's ludicrous mm. that i have not gotten paid to do like uh like a actual like written critique of an actual play at this point um uh-huh. mm. uh and uh i got i my my kind of like first like really deep dive into it was uh six feet under back when it was let's play the 13th age um wow. which is like d- deep deep old cut deep but like cut. you know like yeah like riley also got into like the whole one shot sphere of stuff um and like a ton of other shows um, and I remember, like, I had put off getting into the Adventure Zone for about maybe six months to a year when it really started mm-hmm. to take off, like, um, and then finally got into it. And Critical Role was also taking off at about the same time. Mm-hmm. And I remember, like, I should really give this a chance. Uh, but, like, just I was I was big, big podcast them. I only like I worked at a restaurant. I could not watch video. I could put uh-huh. audio on my yep, phone yep, yep. and listen to it while I counted money every night, and that was about <laughs> it. Um, and mm-hmm. that's I think that like that was ultimately why I bounced off of it because like this is ultimately a streamed show. Uh, mm-hmm. The podcast early mm-hmm. on not very accessible, very difficult to listen to without the visual element. And the other part of it was I was coming off of being really into wrestling. Um, I, I I had gotten really, really into wrestling in, like, 2012 and was starting to fall off of it around, like, 2015, 2016 because it was taking up so much, like, time in my life. Like, it was at yeah. the point, it's like, I'm going to watch, like, a four-hour Raw, and then two days later, I'm going to watch a three-hour SmackDown, and once a month, I'm wow. going to watch a five- to six-hour pay-per-view. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. I do not have this time in my life to do this. And I, like, saw like critical role barreling at me like a train and i was like i can't no i can't i literally can't <laughs> five hour train go choo choo <laughs> flashbacks to wrestling wow well the uh i so i've i have a hey we haven't had ray sorry 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 yes <laughs> yeah i mean i'd love i'd love to hear your thing so please keep uh <sighs> keep a hold of it but um I I think I only heard of I heard of it really late, which is really mm-hmm. strange because it has like this huge fandom that I like didn't interact with at all. Um, my first actual play was Friends at the Table. My second actual play was The Adventure Zone, which is really interesting. Yeah, it usually goes the other way around. <laughs> Griffin voice. I would love if I was on Friends at the Table. Uh- I could definitely tell like there was a point at Taz that I hit where I could tell that he was a really huge fan I was like it was really interesting Um, but yeah I think I just it it wasn't around me and then by the time I began to hear about it I was like I I don't think I'm interested in this so (laughs) it's not been a really a very willful avoidance of it but it's it's just never come into my sphere of influence, I guess. 
So, Riley, what were you going to say? Yeah, Riley, what was your point? So, I um, I had thought, you know what? I think I can... Because Colin said one shot. And I, I was like, you know, that... that I'm still in that Discord. <laughs> the one shot that Matt Mercer's going to take on Ray. Exactly. The one <laughs> shot the, the from the grassy knoll. <laughs> Matt Mercer killed JFK. Knoll <laughs> with a G. G-N-O-L-L. <laughs> um, I went into the one shot Discord. And I just control F, crit roll from Riley Hopkins. Hmm. And I found my first critical roll post from, hmm. uh, and I found the date of it. So I can, I can date it in there. Um, which is, where is it? Did I post it here? I did. Uh, January, February, March, April, May, June, June 23rd, 2016. Uh, wow. as I think is my first post of it in there, but I have to imagine that it was earlier and I don't understand how Twitter advanced search works. So I can't search for my first tweet about it. Uh, well, I, I just want to out- outline that as far as what we consider to be the popular, uh, uh, you know, actual play podcasts that also are things that fully support the creator that 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 runs them or the people that are on them. Uh, mm. We have the Adventure Zone, which aired uh, first aired August eighteenth, twenty fourteen. We have Friends at the Table, which originally aired September 12th, 2014. We have Campaign Star Wars, which would go on to become Campaign Skyjacks, regrettably, uh, in October 7th, 2014. <laughs> and then uh, Critical... Colin, what was that? Hold on, hold on. I just, I couldn't help but hear. Is there, was there a note there after after we talked about Skyjacks? No, no, I was just gonna, I was just gonna say that uh, Critical Role uh, aired March 12th, 2015. Uh, which means wow. that as far as like as far as kind of like the big players in the actual play space that are not completely corporatized, uh, which is not to say that Critical Role does not have a, a heavy Amazon element in it now, but as far mm-hmm. as kind of like mm-hmm. the movers and shakers and what we consider to be the uh, the big things that launch lost lot, a lot of like AP podcasts, they all. Mm aired originally within a year of each other yeah that's so uh, fascinating so interesting <laughs> wow. can i ask um what do you think it is about critical role that made it skyrocket in terms of popularity above all of those other like um products well, it's the only one that streams it's the only one that has a visual people are famous it, like ah. overwhelming also they're all voice actors yeah it like, has like uh, funny gara from naruto in it uh, overwatch's cole is here uh <laughs> uh kid trunks from dragon ball z is in there which <laughs> throws me off there's a point in this episode where laura bailey does the kid trunks voice and i'm like mm, i forgot <laughs> <laughs> forgot that you're my little guy <laughs> literally part of the housekeeping at the start of this episode is uh matt and and uh shit, marisha I'm sorry marisha yeah. sorry do you mean matthew is matt and marisha talking about how they just wrapped doing like stormtrooper voice acting for a fucking mm-hmm. star wars game like <laughs> yep 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 there's a yeah it's fascinating because like now you know these actors right and so you hear their voices in things and and it's part of the appeal to be like, oh, that's that's my friend, <laughs> that's, that's that's my friend Matthew there in in uh what was that is Leorio, and he's not Leorio, he's not Leorio. I definitely I have a thing where, <laughs> like, because I've watched so much Critical Role, like millions of hours of it, like any time I hear Matthew, our friend Mercer, like in a show, I'm like, oh, there's Matthew. Like, there's I think Matthew. I remember like watching JoJo's and be like, Matthew. Matthew's Matthew? here? Well, it's Matthew. I, I did have the weird opposite opposite experience of that actually. 
so um, the whole time I'm listening to this episode, uh, Matthew sounds a lot like a podcaster that I actually listen to on a regular basis. Whoa. Um, uh, Who David, is it? Uh, David Larkins, uh, who is the mm-hmm. line editor for Pendragon for Chaosium and also does a lot of writing for uh, um, Call of Cthulhu. Um, mm-hmm. uh, has has a, a a podcast called Esoteric Order of Role Players, where they play through like older trad games with more of a story gaming element to them. Whoa, so like you that know, sounds they, really interesting. Yeah, like they they have a Pendragon actual play. They have a they have uh like uh David and his wife do a vampire like game that they played over like uh you know like 60 or 70 like in-game years jumping around in different time periods and stuff like shit like that um and Hmm. he sounds exactly like matthew does and it really fucked me up because i don't normally hear (laughs) matthew's regular speaking voice i i hear his voice acting voice for characters (laughs) Mm, mm. so shall we get into speaking of matthew shall we get into matthew's like beautiful story with a recap Matthew's product. I I also I also want to. I'm sorry. I want to ask one more question. What is everyone's favorite and least favorite character and actor on this show, on this episode mm. that we watched? Well, you know, once a Percy simp, always a Percy simp. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. You know, to actually to keep it you know topical <laughs> here, I have been rewatching a little bit of the Critical Role animated television show, which just came mm. out, and I've just I've I'm sent straight back into like. Percy hell slash heaven like he is a white he- white haired anime boy with a gun now and I'm like I fucking live for it I'm happy for you uh, Sarah Sarah quick question um, mm-hmm. did Critical Role get these episodes or did you working for Amazon right now get you those episodes um, I actually we can cut that out <laughs> I work for HBO not Amazon so they could get exactly. me the exactly <laughs> excuse me <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. fucking Liam feels like the most actual human at that table mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but I find Vax exhausting. <laughs> it reminds me of something that Colin was saying earlier about Vax, um, mm-hmm. before we were recording, which mm-hmm. was really interesting to me. Interesting. Oh, yeah, uh, I guess, um, like, Vax and Percy are both characters that I would normally make and play, um... Like that, I like making sad boy assassins. It's <laughs> it's my favorite like character mm-hmm. archetype to make. And mm-hmm. uh, in addition to that, like you know, uh, I feel like especially in this show where very clearly this is a Percy arc. This arc mm-hmm. is about Percy. This episode is about Percy, and everybody else is either filling out uh, B plot lines to help keep that along, mm-hmm. or they're being being supporting actors. Mm-hmm. Uh, and mm-hmm. so, like, Vax and, and Liam are interesting in that, that, like, he is very clearly carrying this B-plot between him and Caleb, uh, and also is, like, you know, kind of interesting character, but also, like, from a conceptual standpoint, really just a just a bare-bones, boring, assat- like, yes, he's a sad boy assassin. <laughs> that's all he is. Like, that's just... <laughs> all, that's all you, all you got, all you need. I, uh... <laughs> I I think I'd have to settle on Grog being my favorite uh, character there, just out of sheer need to settle on something, and I just need mm. to get on paper that I hate Scanlan. <laughs> yeah, we we uh, all hate Scanlan. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. He, I think you said the Minetta of the show. <laughs> yeah, I gotta there, say, like occasionally it is fun and nice whenever like sam does a little sing song and everyone sings along it's like oh that's nice yeah like um, definitely that like 
was really like a point of energy in the episodes for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If I could actually be a little critical of Critical Role here for a second, um, <laughs> mm-hmm. and again, go, segueing into the sort of history of the show, like this Please. is a game that started as a home stream. Like it was just yeah. a little bit of banter at someone's house. I think it was started for maybe Liam's birthday. Liam wanted Matt to mm. run a D&D game for him mm. and his friends. So they, I've they seen started those clips. This. Like the cl- and- clip of them just in their house. Yeah, the the famous uh, clipical rules. Um, And because this started as a home game and started with a bunch of people who didn't really know anything about D&D and its sort of storytelling capabilities and didn't know about the tropes that existed, they they have all made sort of very stock fantasy characters, like Mm -hmm. the edgy... Mm -hmm sad boy assassin the the big dumb giant who has no brain cells but only muscles like the horny bard the horny bard like the just hot elf girl um <laughs> the just the really the nice like peaceful druid girl um sort of mm. and i think because i think talison at the start was really maybe one of the only players who had any experience of dna and i think it shows in ah, the fact that he's sort of made an actually kind of interesting character in that the concept of being the only guy in fantasy world who has a gun and that that really fucks you up that's fascinating (laughs) Mm. to me but again listen i'm a percy sim you all know where i'm coming from should we get into our recap so we can elaborate more on this stuff here yes i was gonna say we need to get into the actual show itself instead of the context for it recap All right, so so Sarah, uh, as for as to do a recap, uh, how do you want to do this? How do I want to do this? Um, do you like? I know we have our sort of non-critter uh, hosts. Do you guys want to take us through what you guys remember and thought of the episode? Um, and then I can add some extra context onto the back of that, like a little uh, spice. I I think I can definitely get us through what happened in this episode. Mm-hmm. If yeah, Ray, you will cool. allow me. Uh, yeah, that would um, be great. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> we are um, we are invading some kind of castle or fortified structure uh, that originally belonged to Percy's family that's been, that has been taken over in previous years, like, you know, five to ten years kind of thing. They're in a dungeon. They find a weird old lady down there. It turns out that it's someone that, uh, that, that Percy knows uh, who is some kind of war crimes doctor uh, that's been helping out <laughs> Percy's uh, antagonist that robbed him of his of his noblehood or whatever mm-hmm. um, that had been causing this whole problem. Uh, they get into a whole back and forth uh, and eventually settle on, um, you know, they will let the bygones be bygones and let her get away as long as she can help him uh, get to and kind of save Percy's sister. Uh which they then, you know, do. They they head deeper into this castle. Um, they they overhear somebody threatening uh, someone else. It turns out that uh, another evil person in Percy's uh, past has is like holding Percy's sister at knife point to get her to kind of like um, you know yell out to draw in the party. Uh, is this slits- where we should pause? To oh yeah. Do a legitimate content warning. Yes. <laughs> for you the audience. In this in this description there'll probably be two graphic executions. One of them they get better so it's okay. Yes. And then a questionably be questionable level of consent kiss. I do believe critical role requires these content warnings as a person who's just coming in because, you know, 
I, while Sarah and I may have the context, we know the tone. For you, the listener, who maybe just wandered into these crit roll episodes, you may not be prepared for two violent executions. Yeah. One that gets better. Add some dubious <laughs> consent. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, there is a really graphic description of uh, Percy's sister Cassandra getting her throat slit as the party bursts Ooh. in to try and save her. Um, uh, Vax totally beefs it. Was that it. his sister, or was that just like a random woman? Oh, That's no, that sister. was his sister, yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, Vax totally beefs it over the course of this boring combat. Um, uh, but it's all okay, because they jam... A healing potion down cassandra's throat to totally heal her um and then percy like totally mafia executes this guy who is evil uh after they stab one of his eyes out and they shoot through the other one it's very very graphic um and and then his mouth with they describe the brain it is awful it is genuine it is graphic. It is it's, genuinely extreme. You can here is where you can directly see Matt's adoration for fantasy novels in this hmm. description. You can see the how how this man is somebody who has. I'm sorry. I know we're in the middle of the recap, <laughs> no, you're but good. Like, I just I can't not talk Go about off this. on Matthew. Well, I mean, it's, to to that point, like it's almost Tarantino esque. It's how yes. the it's how the fantasy genre interacts with the spy like crime drama mm-hmm. like like genre, in that these these are all like capital G genre spaces mm-hmm. and they're kept out mm-hmm. of the real boy fiction areas and so very mm-hmm. frequently mm-hmm. they'll dip from the same holes <laughs> it is it is and a I feel it like, is, yes I feel like um, listening to this it definitely struck me as like oh this is a thing made by and for people who love fantasy as uh-huh. a genre who are uh-huh. so into fantasy to doing the fantasy thing like all the way mm-hmm. it's going in and it's going like let me describe this room to you the textiles that are on the wall the grain of wood mm. that is on the table and just like let mm. me describe everything for 10 minutes and then we can get into the fantasy music yeah, yeah all right speaking of describing things colin finish the recap uh, so we can go I, mode allow me one final tangent before i get back to the the recap for the rest of the episode <laughs> we're um, all being held back <laughs> like we're holding each other back like let me get out let me get out uh but i feel like it's it's important to understand that this is fantasy for people who like fantasy because like think about mm-hmm. when you interact with like 40 year old white male star wars fans mm-hmm. the thing that they want <laughs> is for it to not be star wars but mm-hmm. to delve into the things that they wish star wars delve into mm-hmm. um yeah this that's is pretty, fantasy that's a good observation yeah like this is fantasy for people who wish that fantasy was grittier and darker and this, like more of a crime story this is akin to game of thrones at times like yeah. that is what i would think that a critical role has appeared to as far as tone and and dynamic is is critical role but also critical role by way of an Sorry, is Game of Thrones, but also Game of Thrones by way of an Adult Swim animation. Yeah. Mm, huh. Um, but rest of the recap. Uh, so uh, Kaleth revives Vax. Keyleth. Keyleth. Sorry. Oh yeah, uh, it has been Keyleth. Yeah. I keep forgetting uh, to mention this. Your heart is your guiding Keyleth. Uh, Keyleth <laughs> revives. <laughs> God, I wish. <laughs> Keyleth revives Vax. Uh, and this pays off what I assume is a, a like, two-arc-long B story. Uh, Vax tells Keyleth that he loves her, kisses her, mm. and this is where, kind of, uh, we're left off for, like, a, like, kind of, like, a mid-episode cliffhanger. Quick pause for a mid-recap. 
cliffhanger. Sarah, this is the beginning of that arc. Am I not wrong? Uh, yeah, I have in my notes. Um, uh, what, where is it? Oh, Jesus. This is the episode where Vax just kind of kisses Keyleth without asking first. Despite oh, wow. the fact that Keyleth has never indicated to any severe degree that she this is a thing that she wants or desires. Oh, wow. They have been close, but like not really kind of on this level. Um, so, yeah, Whoa. this is, you know, he has sort of shown some affection towards her that he likes her. But no, this is kind of the start of it. Oh, that's really interesting. We'll get into how fake her response is to all of this and how performative it is but like let's finish the recap uh well also before we finish the recap it is essential that we address the individual relationships at the table because i just need you to know laura bailey travis married matt and and marisha ray dating like i just i these are important dynamics for a streamed game that i think are important to hold in our brains while talking about what is happening here the dynamics that the individual actors are having with each other also, also mm. very important to point out, uh, fucking Sam, incredibly horny all the time. Uh-huh. All the time. And then Talison and, and Marisha, very, like... Very touchy! <laughs> there are parts where, like, Marisha has, like, gone... Like, like Keyleth has gone unconscious, and so she just, like, collapses onto Talison like she is unconscious. My wife described it as theater kids with no boundaries. Yeah, <laughs> just, that's that. That's all of them. Like, another, like, little uh, red string in the relationships board is, like, Sam and Liam I think are best friends and, like, have been for years. Like, they have a podcast together. They joke mm. about, like, being married and fucking each other all the time, despite the fact that they have, like, their own individual wives. Wow. That sounds normal. Yeah, yeah it's normal. It's totally normal yeah. for two straight guys to talk about fucking each other let me tell you uh yeah let me pound the rest of this fucking beer we, we finish the recap or not so uh they they save everybody they get out of this combat um you know everybody's back up we get uh matthew mercer does a very lengthy monologue explaining cassandra's backstory that she delivers personally as kind of like a you know uh tearing down of percy for not being there um and in addition to uh, all of these other things, they kind of put all these pieces together and figure out that they need to go deeper into the castle to try and, you know, solve this mystery. They go down there, they get into a combat where some... Uh, also, there's this whole thing about everybody is assuming everybody else is a vampire. Yeah, me neither. I didn't pick up on that. Didn't really get what's going on there. Hopefully, Sarah and Riley, you can explain what's going on there. <laughs> I was like, I guess there's vampire. Like, maybe yeah. they're in vampire costume. <laughs> it did help, like, basically kind of build up the fact that this final combat was going to be... Because they had an element of this in the previous combat where uh, Travis's character, Grog, got his mind taken over. And that mm-hmm. became kind of the central conflict of Grog is going to kill everybody and we've got to take out this evil man before that happens. And then the second combat that we get that kind of rounds out the end of this episode mm-hmm. is mostly half the party getting their minds taken over, including some kind of ghost that has been a smoke monster that's been inhabiting Percy. Uh, and the party basically having to fight each other to end this conflict to then move on for the, for the next episode. And that's where we leave off. Say yeah. fight. I have one thing. Oh, you. Yes. I was going to say, like, Sarah had a really good idea before we started recording about us having, like, maybe, like, 50 minutes on what we liked about the episode, just all going through what we liked, and then 50 minutes on what was what could be better about the episode, and then closing off. How do you feel about doing that? 
I think that structure would be very good and a very solid thing to do. I can definitely <laughs> share 15 minutes with four people about what I did and did not like about these episodes. Can yeah. Shall we begin? <laughs> Things we liked. I just want to quickly, um, yeah, I really for our little 15-minute uh, segment that we definitely talked about in our enacting and doing, get some context um, in here. And some of the context is like that they sort of, you know, they touch on is the Briarwoods. Those are the people that killed Percy's entire family, the whole Dorolo family. Um, mm. And then the other thing that I think is essential to this episode to know is that, well, first of all, Percy is the first person in fantasy world to ever have a gun. Um, hmm. and the way that this happened and this was not an on-stream thing this is just this was told in like I think pre-show like pre-recorded snippets that they like recorded and put in at the start of like the first few episodes to get viewers caught up in their home game about how Percy after his whole family were killed really wanted revenge one night he had a weird dream where this weird demon like offered him the power to get revenge on the Briarwoods and when he woke up he in his mind had the knowledge of how guns worked and how to build a gun and that is how hmm. guns entered into fantasy world that's kind of fucked up uh, that's really which, interesting it, it's genuinely a little cool but I find that 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 is my favorite thing about this episode in because this episode, you know, he has a thing where he does this horrible execution on mm. admittedly a horrible person who just sort of killed his sisters, but he does it with such malice, violence and vitriol and there's the whole thing where there's like black smoke coming out of him, he seems kind of possessed, he's wearing a kind of sick plague doctor mask. Yep. Um and when he kills the guy the like his it physically changes his gun because mm -hmm, it's a fucking mm -hmm, demon mm -hmm. gun. Percy's shit is that he has a revolver with people's names emblazoned on the fucking ammo chambers, which is just the most sick shit I have ever heard in my fucking life. It is it is really good, and that's that's why the uh you know when he tells Anna your name is at the end of my list is like what a that's a really great line like that's a good line oh, in that scene cool. legitimately pogged at it not yeah. even a bit i was pogged. i know it still hits it still hits <laughs> but also it shows how much they deflate their own stakes uh that like hmm. you know we don't like uh you know i feel like the intro that matt gives us at the beginning of the session at the beginning of this episode is like a pretty good intro to make you understand what's going on at least for the physical action going in. Um, but they never bring up the Plague Doctor mask. You know, you're kind of inferring a lot of things, but having to guess at a lot of other stuff. And it seems like, I, I don't know, like most of the big stakes seem completely deflated by the end of it because like in the next combat scene, uh, what, Scanlan embarrasses the ghost inside of Percy to death or whatever, and that's what uh -huh. ends it? Or, like, the fact that, you know, we start our first combat scene with Cassandra getting her throat slit, and she's just fucking, like, they, they, like, they have a very gory description of that. They have a very gory description of trying to get a healing potion down her throat in this entire process. And then she's just, she's totally fine. She's fine. She stands up. She's good. She has to, like, tell people she's good a lot. There's a lot of guessing if she's a vampire because she seems so good after having her throat slit kind of thing. But it's no, it's totally normal. It's just because Matt wants to deliver this long monologue where she puts armor on or whatever. And it's just like, mm -hmm. uh, it's like, 
it feels like a treadmill, kind of. <laughs> mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. Hmm. I think it's um, quite interesting, actually, um, how Percy, um, obviously in this episode, he has sort of like a darker side when he goes kind of sicko executioner mode. And I noticed that very hmm. much in those moments, Matthew just kind of takes control of his character, which I think is an interesting reflection of the fact that Percy is hmm. not entirely in control of himself, that occasionally kind of Matthew is just there to happily pilot him. And he definitely shows that inclination willy-nilly at any point during combat, including dominations, possessions, and even sort of hmm. to the point of describing how whenever he asks how do you want to do this he often ends up being the one who narrates the actual final how do you want to do this rather than the play you're doing it well that's how he does that in general right it's not just a percy thing in general when matt is answering a how do you want to do this matt answers by hearing the person kind of pitch their scene and then painting it matt is the one holding the camera at all times he is the one who's painting like who's who's directing the scene itself and will take notes will take direction but will also will always put it through his lens we don't get to see through other people's lens unless it is a direct character scene Hmm. and i guess that's a very specific approach to like running a game like it's it's like a really distinct style of running a game and like there are definitely different ways of doing it and not everybody does it so i guess it's like it's more of a it's like a preference or like a an intention or a priority that he's like thinking of doing it's like okay this is a style of running a game that i haven't really come across that much before so it's really interesting Mm. i think this is like a fundamental like this is the the problem with cinematic style gaming um Mm. because i i feel like when you think of who are the big ap's that do cinematic style like stuff and it's Hmm. critical role and it's the one shot campaign network family of of shows Mm -hmm. and both of them have the problem where if somebody feels like they are owed or simply they're they're personal enough to take too much arthurial control uh they will say what do you want to do the player hmm. will say, I am going to do this. And then the GM immediately takes control of that and starts mm. directing not only the scene, but the actions, all of the characters that are doing That's interesting. in like a very heavy handed kind of way. It is um, playing with RPGs is playing with dolls, right? Your characters are, are action figures. You're using yeah. them in the scene. And instead of the, everyone having the action figure in their hand, imagine, if you will, Matt Mercer having all the action figures, someone going, Princess Peach does this, and then Matt posing the Princess Peach figure to do the thing that they said. That's the difference here. That is, like, Matt is the one whose hands are the final the final positioners of the content. Whereas, that like, is also in, literally what he's doing on screen. I can see him do it. He's doing it with his <laughs> yes, hands. This, this is before he breaks out the fucking minifigures and shit, and before, like, part of the... the this is before their set upgrade. This is before, like, the, he starts, like, doing full-scale, like, here are many miniatures, and here's a full-on battle arena. Hmm. <laughs> it's interesting to go back to early Critical Role, where they are, all the maps are all just, like, outlines drawn on paper. Because mm. it's like, you know, Critical Role these days, like, I feel like Matthew doesn't really have to go to his day job as, like, a... As uh, over Mr. Overwatch anymore because like he gets to spend all his time like making and painting the most elaborate sets mm-hmm. and like is sponsored by like the set making people like the 
minis and battle maps they have these days are fucking crazy and it's kind of very fresh to go back to here and it's just like a square and a piece of paper that they're sort of moving around they're just like eating pizza on call they're just like vibing it, it has the feel of this is a home game because you mentioned that earlier yeah. that this is a home game that became a streaming game and what's interesting is like they didn't have a restart or a catch-up it's just suddenly boom we're here it's being streamed and it happens yeah. like in the caves caves before we meet the uh, mind flayer like yeah. it, I guess it, it like, just rewards fans in that way for like keeping up and being engaged mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. well like even even the like the housekeeping at the front of this episode makes it feel so much more like a home game too mm. uh, i think like you see people talk about critical like we're we're like seven years out from critical role initially happening right and the debate that you always see is about like what effect does this have on people's normal home games of seeing these people that have voice actor credentials that know how to act that presumably have some kind of improv training or whatever um how does that affect people like Mm. uh you know at their home games and what their expectations are and i think the biggest thing and i feel like this is maybe the biggest plus for watching critical role as a streaming game um, hmm. is these people are performatively paying attention. They are hmm. never yes. bored on yes. screen. And this is maybe the best part of the show that makes it engaging and makes it the fact that you can have it on on a second monitor or in the background and, like, like come in and out because no one is ever on their fucking phone or whatever. Like, this is, like, what you want out of your, your RPG group is even mm. when you know that it's boring and you're monologuing about Cassandra's backstory or whatever, everybody is physically, visually paying attention. And that They're all in. nodding. They're like, uh-huh. Yeah. They're like, wow, that's really interesting. They're loudly <laughs> taking notes. Uh- <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And it is like even in scenes that you're not in, it's like, oh my, are you? Oh, are you doing that? Yeah. <laughs> I found that really striking that everybody seemed really bought in, and like people were really responding to things that were going on, things that were being said, like performing all the way through in a way that it seems like only if you are like professional voice actors, do you sort of have that unique thing about your show? I I think that it could be done. I think that people. I think that anybody, Ray can performatively pay attention in a way that is convincing and compelling for the people around them. (laughs) There is something that was really kind of impressive to me, I guess, about how genuinely engaged the people were in this, like how much they committed to the things that they were doing. Yeah, I think that's what I like the most about it. That's wonderful, Ray. Well, like, I I know that I've said that certain (laughs) things have felt performative on their behalf of trying to make it seem like they really are invested as as they appear to be. But there is a part, like, towards the end of the episode where, like, uh, I want to say, like, um, it's what, like, uh, Marisha and Liam are literally loudly scribing notes. It's like, oh, no, they're really taking notes about what's going on Mm. right now. Uh, Like, Mm -hmm. they, like, I, I think for better or for worse, they are all invested and they're also yeah. per- performing it in a way that makes it nice for the audience to experience. Yeah, which is very considerate <laughs> of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm, and mm. one of the things that I took down while I was watching the episode is that D&D, as a, as a role-playing system and as a system for actual play, elicits such interesting meta-conversation. Uh, it's like a conversation about like, oh, did you prepare that spell today? No, I didn't prepare that spell today. It's and it's it's a... It's, narrativizing the mechanics so clearly but there are so many mechanics that it becomes kind of not overbearing 
but hmm. it fills so much of the shit, right? Like, you have a, do you need inspiration, Grog? No, I don't need inspiration. <laughs> like, it, 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 it makes it so it's, it is, instead of the people asking each other, like, yo, would this help? It is the characters asking each other, which is a interesting way that, like, D&D, in, as a whole, like, makes you talk in character about mechanics mm. because of the the negative uh, kind of reactions of meta talk at the table and how people don't like air quotes table talk. Hmm. Yeah, there, there was a lot. I think it was less in this episode, but in actually previous episodes, because I like I started watching it like episode 30 to lead up to this because I just kind of wanted to. But like there was a lot of conflict about like oh the player wanted to do this thing but like there was their character wouldn't know so a lot of the Mm. like things that were done at the table were just like kind trying to like finagle their character into a position where their character would Mm -hmm. know the things that the player did in a way that doesn't really make sense and like feels Mm -hmm. really like quite awkward in a way Um, it's it's, it's when Keyleth comes around the corner to try to heal Cassandra or whatever right like it's like oh would you know that it, it, it's that kind of like unfun answer and then yeah further, or like whenever the, like, travis has a smart idea but he just can't say it because he's grog and grog only has one brain cell and wouldn't know mm-hmm. that thing or when percy uses a spell and laura is like spell like in the most okay, like that that was a really fun part of this episode that's actually my favorite part of this episode that i, I, I like it as a viewer i don't like it that the cast is like oh Please inqui- yeah. please inquire, like well, flashing on the screen. Well, it's like it's like the whole Vax kissing uh, Kila thing too, because that that's like you know uh, aside from there's some kind of post mortem that I have not listened to. It mm-hmm. like we talks we, machina. We can, yeah, talks I don't think machina. They started that at this point. Oh, okay. they 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 address like. Keyleth and uh, Liam and, and Marisha had talked about this beforehand, right? Is that am I remembering that correctly from a talk? I don't know. Is like. I would assume these are smart people making a television show that, mm. like, they are trying to create a new... Now that I know that this started here and did not exist before it, they're trying to create a new B-plot of a romance between Vax and Keyleth, which makes, mm. the, like, yes, please, like, you know, that's a smart thing to do. Have a have an inner character like, drama point to, like, carry through the big plot point or whatever. Um, and so I assume that, yes, they they talked about this beforehand i hope they talked yeah. about this beforehand i think i think <laughs> like i have heard them say that like it had been sort of in the back of people's minds but no one had actually done anything yeah um and then to have that you know be a surprise at the table and yes like uh marisha's like kind of like surprise and flusteredness is like certainly a performance but it's a performance in the way that like makes sense for you being at a table with your friends and you're shipping the characters kind of thing Mm -hmm, like it mm -hmm. feels kind of authentic to that in like an interesting Mm. way like that kind of like dovetails with all of this that like yeah like you know uh maybe it's maybe it's a little fake maybe it's a little planned but they are still like you know they're trying to meet between we want the story to be a certain way but we have to Mm. like get the characters into position to do that. But then also there's this extra layer of we have to get ourselves in position as the players to also do that too. And it's just like, there's three layers they're trying to make work together. Here's a question (laughs) I want to ask Ray and Colin. Mm. Um, There is one other character relation, inter-party relationship, another like shipping. What do you think that shipping is? There are two characters that date. 
Who are they? Percy and Grog. <laughs> I'm picturing beautiful. the picture of the hamster and the banana. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> I'm sorry, Thanks. but I have taste. Uh, <laughs> I know about Nyeow. <laughs> Wait, no, that means Scotland and Grog. Right. Your take? Um... You mustn't ask me questions that will break my veneer. <laughs> I I gotta know. I gotta know. Of not knowing who any of the characters are. Fucking give me give me cardinal directions. They were on the screen. You have to answer. You are legally required to answer. I don't fucking know. Take the shot, Matthew. <laughs> um, who are the ones who did kiss? So I can choose different ones. Uh, uh, top left and bottom mid. I mean, I have a list of the names of the cast here. Just tell me the names. Oh, Vax and Keyleth. Uh, then I'll say Vexalia and Grog. Oh, you were so close. That would actually be really good. Like, I would, if yeah. I'm looking for other het ship here... because like... they're married! They're actually married in real goddamn life! Yeah, that, that does help. What the, the other ship in this is Percy and Vex. That uh, makes no sense. End up together. Well, they, they do... There is actually a note of it in this episode where Vex goes to Percy and says, like, darling, please take off the mask. Hmm... Sarah, what did you like about this episode? You mentioned you had, like, a Pog moment, and I'd love to know, like, because you were kind of the, of all of us, the most actual fan of this show, I'd love to know what you liked. Damn, owned. <laughs> uh, yeah, owned. Um, yeah, no, it just, like, you know, the, the, con- the whole concept of Percy being the guy who invented guns, which are, like, a demon thing, and that it's fucked up, and that, like, he's sort of, you know, it kind of really feels like Taliesin is very enthusiastic about going on his path of like self um he's turning his own heel basically mm. and this is sort mm. of where you sort of start to see that not start to see that where you can see that in this episode and every time i see that i'm like oh fuck yeah i love this mm. um because you know it's it's there's something it feels like he is prepared to like lose his own character to the dm and have it be dm controlled um, which is always a fun thing, mm. um, Colin. <laughs> it's never fun to have your character controlled by the DM. Like I, no. like we could save this for when we talk about what we don't like about this stuff. But like, I oh, d- we, we we haven't talked about that yet. I forgot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah um, we, we've kind of been peppering it in, so maybe we need to skip that segment. <laughs> Things that could be better about the episode. Um, but I, I, I do appreciate, like, you know, um, uh, uh, it, it does feel like, you know, Percy and Taliesin are, like, playing around with, yes, he's, like, he's courting the audience to become a villain. That's what we're, you know, secretly, it's like seeing John Cena, like, grind his heel in on, uh-huh. on the mat in a match. We know that he's still going to be a main character. We know he's still going to be a hero. But we do like the temptation that he could become a bad guy and get taken away by Matthew to, like, be this evil dude. And that is entertaining. Genuinely? Yeah. Taliesin is the only person in this session, at least, who is driving his character in the stolen car style. Which is, mm. like, it's it's one of the best things to me. Like, finally, some good fucking... It feels like a stolen car in the way that, like, oh, yeah, I got a go-kart at Michael's Fun World, and I'm doing circles really fast, but Listen, it's, like, everything's relative. Fast is 10 miles an hour. It's also... It makes sense in the structure of the show, because, like, this this is a show that clearly they want to keep all these characters alive. 
And this is mm-hmm. the Percy arc. So it's good that Percy is driving, like, a fucking stolen car. And it's good that, like, Vax and, and Keyleth and, and Vex are mostly being supporting actors who are trying to, like, drive, like, a secondary plot. And it's good that, like, you know, Travis and as Grog is taking a total backseat to just be a supporting actor to all of them. And then Scanlan sucks. Well, because part of, part of the whole thing is that... <laughs> You cannot have a good game with eight fucking people at the goddamn table. You just can't do that. Like, it doesn't play well. And, like, part of it is like, oh, there's only seven. It's because fucking Ashley Johnson is busy recording Blind Spot, the television show in New York at this time. So she can't be there in L.A. And it's just fucking exhausting. Are you telling me there's an eighth member to Vox There's an eighth member, and it's Ellie from The Last of Us. (laughs) Like, that is what I am telling you. It is so, like, yeah, people have to sit aside or just like, oh, I don't exist today. Because there used to be a ninth member. <laughs> I'm going to the bathroom. <laughs> the, the, the problem is, I am at this same time of watching this show. I was uh, watching The Mentalist. And I don't know if you know this about The Mentalist, but Patrick Jane's whole thing is that he's kind of out for revenge, and the entire time you're like, wow, is this a good person? Is he actually going to get revenge? Is he going to get revenge within the realm of the law? Yada, yada, yada. And But the thing is, Patrick Jane is a charming person, and Percy DeRolo is not. (laughs) And? That's really all I got! (laughs) He's a guy with a gun. He's, he's a just, Jesse white-haired person- anime boy with a gun. <laughs> like, like, and like, that's the thing. Well, it's like, neat. it sets it sets the bar so low. Because yes, everyone else is a stock character, and Percy's the one with a character, but his per- character is has gun. Like, that's his character. Listen, well, what has, more do you need he, a character? He has gun, and he also has sister, and the sister is clearly in con- conflict. This with is, him, which is like that, what kind of drives I- this episode. <laughs> You all know that has sister is a really deep character motivation. Yeah, yeah. He he says it in this episode. He says, "I have a sister." He says he, it. He, does he say says that. it. I I pointed and I was like, "That's sister." He also says it in a sad tone. It's very fun. Wow, he's he is when sad he says it in a sad tone. Women, am I right? Yeah. yeah. I I Women, think truly so that happened. The thing that we're missing. They did say that, didn't they? Yeah. <laughs> 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 The thing that we're missing is he didn't imply that he had a sexual relationship with Anna. That's the one thing that we're missing from this this cursed uh-huh. triumvirate. Yeah, 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 yeah. Real close to be written by Joss Whedon this entire fucking show. Um, Can I say something that I didn't enjoy? Um, oh, yeah, please, please. But there was something about... When he, when he fucking saved his sister, like... She got her throat slit, and nobody reacted for some reason. Everybody was like, okay, cool, this is normal. And then they had a fight, and then they healed her throat in a really gross and disgusting way. And then, he was fucking horrible to her for the rest uh-huh. of the episode. He was uh-huh. so me- He was like, you're so yep. annoying. I'm like, what the fuck? Uh-huh. You know how siblings <laughs> the are? Actual yeah, fuck? that's just how siblings are. How well, siblings the, are. Yeah, this, this, siblings this is are a... Like p- when you've been fighting to save one of them for what I presume is several four-hour-long episodes... Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, this 10. is the problem with Dungeons and Dragons is 
oh, your sister's throat has been slit. Well, we have to go in turn order. And then when turn order's done and the combat's over, oh, well, she's totally healed, so it's fine and you could be mean to her now. <laughs> it just yep, really struck was... me that, like, literally no one even, like, gasped, said anything, was like, oh, no. They were just like, mm-hmm. ah, okay. That's why I thought it was a random fucking woman, because <laughs> they didn't seem to care. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's so... And that's it. That's like again one of the things with D and D is the mechanization of narrative tropes of uh, the 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 narrativization of, me- of mechanics means that like yes I'm very scared but also I have a two d six potion of healing which means that I can pretty much get through everything perfectly fine like like it's it's it is the it is the I thought of a video game and like oh yeah Master Chief got shot a lot but he picked up the plus sign box so now he's good <laughs> well, it's. Sarah was going to say something a bit ago, and I'm curious about what it was. Um, oh, yes, I was going to say, if, if, you know, if anyone had to do a timetable, sorry, no, never mind. If the timetable is what we're trying to fucking do this episode and feeling, because <laughs> it's hard. <laughs> I just think if anyone, if you're going to listen to anyone describe a table in great detail for, like, say, five minutes Matthew Mercer is probably a pretty good shot. Like he is a professional and he knows what it's doing and he knows how to say words in a way that sounds engaging. Matthew really is a professional. He can say any words and you kind of nod your head and you think that they're good words. And sometimes yeah. they are good words. Yeah, love, love to hear a, him. He says the word visage quite a lot. I have to say, this episode was greatly improved um, when I decided to start listening to it at 1.5 times speed. Yeah, yeah, I fucking bet. It was so much better. I, I Here's one thing about their voice acting. They mm. all do a accent, so and, and they hold their accent. Ugh. They they don't that the accent does not flavor, uh, falter, but they're not performing in the way that an actual play person performs. You can tell that they are voice actors, and they are not also writers. Yeah, yeah. Like this <laughs> is like, this is the thing that's ludicrous for me is people talk all about like you know oh you shouldn't hold yourself a critical role. They're voice actors. It's like they're all doing. Except for Travis, who's doing a slightly different British accent. They're all uh, doing the same bad British accent. That's uh, it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're doing the fantasy British accent, which is fine. I hate it so much. Because it doesn't have to, like, adhere to actual British can, accent standards. Can y'all rate their British accents for bad, me? All bad, all bad, all bad. <laughs> no, because I'm, they're, like, they're, like, burned into my brain and, like, I just, I can't really think about them. Like I can't, I cannot relate the accents that they're doing to actual real life British accents. Like those are just no. the voices it's they like do. It's like this fake American fancy accent. Like one of them is almost a like an English accent. Most of them are like like fake fancy fantasy American accents in a way that makes me want to tear my ears off. It's so very non-specific. Mm-hmm. Something else I hated about this is that the characters were mean basically all the way they through. They did so much torture. Yes, like They were just horrible. Who's a nice character in Crit Roll? And I'm really fucking struggling to think of... The one who doesn't do anything. Yeah. Keyleth for a boy five minutes. Like, Ke- Keyleth is very nice, and she's also passive and exists in the show for things to be done to her, and that's frustrating. <laughs> I don't think I even noticed that she was there. I was like, who the fuck is that? That's a druid? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Keelan's uh-huh. <laughs> a motherfucking druid? I don't know who any uh, of these fucking characters are, and I don't care about them. And coming to this know. with no context just removes all stakes, removes all fondness, removes all likability from everything about this. You know, ultimately, I feel like the number one reason that people become invested in and enjoy critical role, just in general, is because they're very 
very, very depressed. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like sometimes you just need some entertainment that's noises, that's people talking and their friends, and it fills your ears for four hours. It's very, very good at doing that. Fuck, but is it? And there's like 500 episodes of Naruto that you can go watch. <laughs> but you can't listen to them and zone out and do your own thing while they're yeah. on. Yeah, if I'd watch Naruto, like, you know, an iconic episode such as the Kakashi Mask episode of Naruto, if I'm watching that, I need to be watching that to see all the frames, to know what's going on. That episode is fucking riveting. If I stop paying yeah, attention, right. I start feeling so bad that, like, oh my god, like, I don't know, if does Kakashi, like, have fish lips or not? Does he have buck teeth? What's going on? If I stop paying does attention, I'm going to miss that. that. I just don't know. Okay, okay, one quick question. Uh-huh. You can change one thing about Critical Role. <laughs> mm. One thing to make it better. Um, I, I, I would just like if, if their combat was more um, cinematic and flavorful and less based off of... Is uh, that really uh, the thing that you would change? I, yes, I yes, want them yes. to describe the cool actions they're doing. I don't want them to be nickel and diming the dice rolls and what they're doing. Colin, <laughs> I've got really good news for you is that they kind of start doing that more in campaign two. So whenever you get to there and you watch through all of campaign two, like you'll see that they did, the combat is like do they do describe more of what they're doing and yeah. they sort of they do less math. I mean we're all gonna start watching this after this episode. Uh, Sarah, right? I tried campaign two and Cat Cool isn't there, so I'm not gonna watch it. Yeah it, it... <laughs> that's a joke for just me, baby <laughs> <laughs> God, this Star Wars campaign so fucking much. Uh, my change would be uh, cut three people from the table. I don't care who they are. Cut three people from the table. Just Matthew, boom, they're gone. take the shot. Take oh, the shot. Oh, you mean like maybe like uh, alternate um, and have like three people on for no. like three no, sessions and another no. three people on for another sessions? I mean cut three people from the table <laughs> permanently. Compromise to a permanent end. They are removed from the table. Cut my critical role into pieces. This, this is, is my last, my last resort. resort. Damn it. Suffocation. Sarah, what would you change? Um. Fuck. <laughs> Sarah, are you too deep into this to be able to change anything? Yes. No, and he, that's why I think your answer is the most important because you are this in it. Beautiful. You're in the fucking sauce. It's the most sincere answer. Oh. I'd like to hear it. I would delete all of campaign one from the internet and have people start with campaign two, which is when they start again and kind of have an idea that they are going to be streaming, they are going to be performing these characters for an audience, and then therefore they, you know, try and fill them with all sorts of interesting things to be unveiled slowly over the course of like several hundred episodes. And mm. they are much more successful at doing that whenever they've done from whenever they just transferred their home game full of stock mm. cardboard cutout characters that they then put on stream and had to, you know, subsequently try and make interesting where they had not initially been supposed to be interesting i would just have them start a campaign too hmm. uh ray naruto's in it naruto's in it all right there we go if you believe it naruto naruto My name is Riley Hopkins. My pronouns are he and they. You can find me on Twitter at RevRyeBread. Rev like Reverend, Rye Bread like Rye Bread. Uh, and on other podcasts, but this is the important one to listen to, so I'm glad you're here. Uh, Sarah, where can they find you? 
Yeah, hi. I recently just guested on an episode of JoJo's Bizarre Podcast, All Dogs Must Die, which is episode 31, one of their recap episodes that they have guests on. So you can find me guesting on that, having a great time talking about JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, a television show that Matthew Mercer stars in. And Colin. Hi, my name is Colin. I use they, them pronouns. Uh, you can listen to my recently finished podcast, MetaWatch. Uh, which is covering all of the Metabots cartoon from the original Metabots to Metabots Dimashi. Uh, you can also find the the King Arthur Pendragon RPG solo journal RPG actual play that I am doing at Chivalrish uh, on Twitter. <laughs> uh, Ray. Hi, I'm Ray. My friends are in them. Um, look forward to uh, episode two. We're going to pick an episode from um, season two of Critical Role. So look forward. To yeah, it. you can find you can find Ray at the real Papa John. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on my way. Naruto, I'll be okay. Getting ready to fight on site. Got my best friends by my side. Sasuke, he's really cool. Sakura, the beautiful. Critical fucking sucks. It's the worst. I am still going to wake up tomorrow and watch episode 134 because honestly, fuck it.